Hello and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy. Before we get into today's episode, I want to let you know about two events we got coming up very soon. On October 14th, we are pleased to extend an invitation for you and a guest to join us at our annual launch event. This year, you have the option to join us in person or online. The theme for this year is prepare. Apologetics Canada has had an amazing year of ministry, and we want to thank you for your part in making it all happen. This launch event is about sharing all that God has been doing through this ministry and where we are headed in the year ahead. Come and hear from Andy Steiger, our president, as he shares the vision for the ministry and speaks on our theme for this year. Meet the entire AC team from across Canada as you hear more about what they are passionate about and the great work they are doing in their region. We hope you will join us Friday, October 14th for this year's launch event as we celebrate and prepare for another year of ministry. So make sure you head over to apologeticscanada.com slash events to RSVP. Hope to see you there. As you've probably heard by now, the AC Leadership Summit is back. The Leadership Summit seeks to bring together aspiring Christian leaders from across the West Coast for an incredible weekend to empower, equip, and engage. This is an opportunity for young professionals aged 19 to 30 to meet one another and grow together as Christian leaders. Topics include, how do I lead through adversity? How do I live counterculturally by overcoming addiction to pop culture? Am I more than my status and my achievements? How do I rebuild faith and leadership after a scandal? What does it look like to be generous? Join us in the beauty of BC's coastal mountains where you can enjoy fellowship and growth at Sasquatch Mountain Resort. This will be held on October 28th to the 30th, starting at 4 p.m. to 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So once again, head over to apologeticscanada.com slash events page and apply today. Spots are already filling up, so if it's you or someone else you know who might benefit from this event, feel free to share this. Now, I'll get out of the way. On today's episode of the AC Podcast, Andy Steiger sits down with a new friend from Kelowna, Nicole. Hear her incredibly unique testimony about why she is so passionate about ministering to the LGBTQ community, as well as fighting to make sure Christians are equipped to be able to minister to a very marginalized people group. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, welcome to the AC Podcast. This is Andy Steiger, and I'm joined by a very special guest, Nicole. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Andy. I'm glad to be here. It is great to have you. We recently met at Praxis Church. Now, Troy and I were out there for an event called Identity Crisis. So we were speaking in Kelowna, British Columbia. On the Friday night, it was more of an outreach opportunity for people to come and to hear uh, Sam, Troy, and myself talk on the subject of identity. And then we were out at the church on the Sunday morning at Praxis Church there in Kelowna. Now, I think you were at both events. Is that right? Yes, I was at both. Yeah. Because I I found out later that you'd connected with Troy and Sam at at the event. But it was actually at the church that you and I uh, connected. You introduced yourself. uh, You and your husband introduced yourselves to me. And one of the things that you said right off the bat uh, that, you know, really caught my attention was with regards to the LGBTQ plus uh, community, uh, which uh, at some level is what I was actually speaking on at church that Sunday. I was talking on the subject of sexuality and gender, and I was, uh, you know, kind of addressing that subject for more of a 30,000 foot level, if you will. And particularly, I dealt with three things, and we could maybe, you know, as we talk, maybe these three things will come up, I don't know. But uh, in case anybody's curious, uh, I was talking about the importance of talking about difficult subjects that the church can sometimes avoid and we need to be careful of. These are important conversations that our culture is having and that we need to have. The second one was, I talked about how we got here. And then third, I was talking about what is the Christian perspective? We get often caught up in what we're against, but we need to make sure that we're doing a good job of talking about what we're for. And so that's what I uh, spent our time talking about there at Praxis, those three things. Now, when you came and introduced yourself to me, Nicole, one of the things that you said to me that we're going to get into on the show today uh, was that you had two moms or you have two moms. Yes, I do. I do. And so you, so, so there was an immediate connection there, obviously, with, the, with what I was talking about at, at Praxis, but also your, your own backstory. And then you began to tell me a little bit of how you began to attend Praxis. For those of you who don't know, it's a new church plant that's happening in Kelowna. And I think that that might be the best place for us to start this conversation today, because what we want to do is we want to talk about your story. I want to dig deeper into it 
because uh, I really have appreciated as I've gotten to know you, just seeing how you bridge between being a Christian and loving and caring for people in the LGBTQ plus community. So let's begin by talking about how you found yourself at Praxis, because this is a fascinating story. You, you started to tell it to me at, at church on Sunday, but it, it started with controversy. So, so jump in there. <laughs> well, it started, um, I wasn't attending church before I came to practice, I was attending a previous church in, in town and uh, we had stopped going for our personal reasons. So how long had you not been going to church for? Uh, maybe about, well, cause of the COVID and everything too, right? Yeah. Uh, the church wasn't really allowing many people and it was only 50 and all that kind of stuff. Right. So we just kind of just sat back and just uh, kind of chilled until maybe things cooled down with just the government and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I came across Praxis just through Instagram, kind of heard through the grapevine that some church was going to get like persecuted or I don't know. It's just like LGBTQ is going to show up. And I was like, what? Like, why? And, and particularly what we're talking about here is protest that there was. Yeah, it was a protest. And so I remember that weekend it was supposed to happen. So I went to the church website to find out what was like, what was up with it. Right. And um, I read it and I was like, huh. Okay. So I kind of had my beef with it, but not necessarily regarding LGBTQ. I read it as like, there's so many things that permeate the Christian homes between husband and wife that are so serious and so grave uh, from apathy, from pornography, from all sorts of things, abuse and everything like that, that I was kind of like, why are we even concerned with gay people? Right. And so that was just my initial qualms. Right. But I, at the same time, as a Christian, I do understand um, where, where the statement was, plus the fact that the church statement is so fresh. Like you can go to any church site, they're going to say the same thing, but they have piles upon piles of filed away stuff. Right. So I met up with a friend and I said, you know what, let's pray for this church. I wasn't even going to this church, but I find this day and age, I'm like, can just the persecution just stop everyone? Like, seriously, if you're gay, you can literally go live your best life right now. Like no one's coming after you or anything like that. And this is from someone who's grown up in the community through the eighties and nineties. Right. And I prayed with a friend and it rained that weekend. It was a Saturday and it was Sunday. And that was when the protest was supposed to happen. And it rained that weekend and nothing happened. And um, I think that was the same weekend, but it was one weekend that the church had a bunch of stuff getting stuck all over their windows and stuff like that, like rainbow flags and stuff. And um, some people I know saw this happen and went there. And people who don't go to this church at all and went there and kind of confronted these people like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And then they spent time and they took everything down. And these people who they didn't even attend a practice, they were Christians, but they were just kind of like, this is kind of ridiculous. Oh, so people showed up to take down. Yeah, yeah. Because someone, someone who lives near there, yeah, saw some commotion in the darkness, like around I maybe 11 p.m. or something and was like what's going on and we know that's a that it's a daycare as well during the week so we're like who's messing around with a daycare right and um the next following weekend the protests ensued and uh my husband at the time he's like I'm gonna go like I just feel to just go and, and check out what's going on right and so he left and I was like okay I gotta go too I kind of played like I didn't know what was going on, but I'm not going to show up there and be like, I'm a Christian too. And what do you guys do here? <laughs> like something <laughs> like that. Right. I just wanted to see, because I'm very, very comfortable with gay people, uh, trans people, like pretty much anybody. Like I can talk to just about anybody and I'm not really that shy of a person. Um, I've, I'm from Los Angeles, so I've seen a lot of poverty and ghetto and all that kind of stuff. I've seen all, all types of people. You just go walk down Venice and you'll see all types of people. <laughs> and so from there, I, I rolled up to a few people and, um, you know, some people talked to me and they told me, you know, what they're, what they're protesting for. And my initial reaction was like, so what, <laughs> like, why would you, why would you come here? And they're like, well, we need to we need to do something about whatever might be going on in the church. I'm like, well, what do you think is going on in the church? 
like you do understand that this has been going on for like thousands of years. Like you're not going to change thousands of years of thinking by just showing up at this church. And the, you know, the one person was, she, she seemed kind of like defeated. I wasn't being mean or anything. I was just kind of like, what's the point, right? Like no one's stopping you. Is anyone stopping you right now from being gay right now? Nobody is. And if there's like what 90 people in this building feel that you shouldn't live your lifestyle, like, have you not ever faced opposition in your life where you can actually grow from that and just, you know, no one's harming you, no one's stopping you. So just live the way you want to live. Right. And so from there, I end up talking to uh, just a few other people until I was really, really touched by someone's uh, testimony. It was a person who basically faced that kind of harmful opposition um, who is gay. And uh, I really, really felt for this person. And I end up telling this person that I actually am a Christian. Like I'm, you know, I may not look like whatever's we're supposed to look like. We're not supposed to look like anything. Right. But this person asked me like, well, do you attend this church? And I was like, actually I don't attend this church, but I'm like biking along and I am a Christian and I wanted to see what's going on, you know? And, uh, I hugged him. I was in tears, um, just because of what he had to face. He's not from Canada. He's from another country. And we know it's can be, it's, it's much stricter in other countries. And that's one of the things I would ask these people. It's like, this lifestyle is very, it's not welcome many, many countries. And, um, at the same time, it's like you, this, it is here. So why are you now with your pitchforks out kind of a thing? It's interesting right now, how it, it feels, how it goes both ways, where there's people that feel threatened with their families and, and then you have people who feel threatened in their homosexual lifestyle. And particularly it was interesting, as you told me about this individual, that they really were taking what had happened with them in a different country and kind of projecting it onto um, Christians and, and just religious people, perhaps we could say in Canada. Yes, that's that's what exactly what this person was doing. And I straight up, I, I end up seeing him later on, uh, like at another event. And, uh, I said the same thing to his face. I said, I said the the gays from the seventies and eighties and nineties, like they fought hard to just be accepted and not be, you know, harmed for what they, their lifestyle and just like, just live their life and be left alone. What for you guys to just kind of get out your pitchforks and go after people and their, their children in their homes and stuff like that. Right. Like, I'm just like, Holy smokes. Like I said to this person, like my mom has been living her best life <laughs> for the past, like 20, 30 years, you know what I mean? And my mom does not go to any of these events or really has, you know, most of my mom's friends are straight. And, uh, but she has like a, still a bunch of, uh, uh, gay friends as well. Right. And, um, I just, I, it just doesn't sit well with me. And I, and I grew up in the thick of this community and it does not sit well. And in, and now we're noticing a lot of people from this community. It's not sitting well with the way it's being pushed um, down. And that was one of the things that was said to me at the protest was like, I was like, why are you really here? And it's like, well, because there could be kids that are gay in the church. And I'm like, so you're here on the hunch, on the hunch that there could be like gay kids in the church that what do you think i said what do you think these parents are doing to these children like you don't even know these people right and you can tell what you from what you're saying the projections coming out of him how he was treated it's like no one's like treating their children like what happened to you in this church i can guarantee that and and then i told him you know the people I was talking to, I was like, okay, so after this protest, we got the Mormon church down the street and we've got the Jehovah's witnesses. And if you go, there's a free Methodist church. And then you just keep going. So just line up and just like, <laughs> I was being like, I, I was being like, just, but it was true. Like, if you're going to yeah. stop at this church, this like, I don't know, like how many churches in this neighborhood, just go to the next one, go to the Sikh temple, go to the Muslim temple. Right. Because they're all going to believe the same thing. And that's why I was kind of like, what are you really proving here? Well, I think one of the things that you're you're tapping into is just the combative nature of our culture right now, oh, where yes. this is one thing that I think is so interesting about us talking about this is it can be very easy to get caught up in the combativeness of it. And before you know it, everybody's picking up pitchforks and we're like, you know, and it's just, oh yeah, 
And it's this constant fight. And it's it's kind of interesting, by the way, that we're in the throes, I think, right now of, of what it looks like to live in a democracy, a free democracy. And the fact the fact of the matter is we are not all going to agree that we are going to have fundamental disagreements. And to have a democracy, though, means you have to learn how to disagree and live with each other. Yeah. One thing, though, that, that I think is just interesting, and I'm sure this spoke to you as well when you when you spoke with the protesters is. And, and you met with that one individual, right, that really, that really touched you is it's so easy if you get caught up in the combativeness of it all to forget you're dealing with real human beings here with some serious hurt and some serious brokenness. Yeah. And that's what I experienced that day. And I mean, it's not like I haven't fa- faced my own brokenness and, and met other people who have, right? But I told this person that like believing in God and, and believing in Jesus is a personal relationship. Like I said, you can walk away from all of this and just find Christ. Like it's, it's very, very simple. And some churches overcomplicated and this protest and people from this community are overcomplicating as well. And you're right about the democracy. Like we're allowed to disagree on things. It doesn't mean I hate you or I hate your lifestyle or whatever. Right. And a lot of things, a lot of, what sometimes when I tell people and some of the people who I have from this community that are friends of mine, I said, it's, I mean, a lot of people know I'm very bold with talking about the spiritual realm. And so most people can't really argue with against that. Simply saying that Jesus has been the only thing to help me get rid of these things and to deal with these things and to have courage and stand up against fear in regard to that, because the world is like Lord of the Rings, (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) And most people don't realize that. And so we all know, I know it's a spiritual battle and, um, and when we have that fear towards this community, we shouldn't fear as at all. We shouldn't you know fear what? people like God is with yeah. us who can be against us. And, um, and God loves these people. We got to love these people too. And I chose to follow Christ and that's my path. And I pray for others that they can be freed. Whatever sin that they have is what we hoped whatever we don't know people's hearts and minds. Right. And so it's like, whatever is in there, that's giving you no peace. Like it doesn't matter what it is. Christ can give you that peace from that. And that's the whole point. doesn't matter what it is. No, uh, amen. Amen. Uh, there's so much there that we need to unpack. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to jump into, I want to just rewind a little bit and jump into that idea of the spiritual warfare because mm-hmm. I have been talking with a number of leaders as of as of late, you know, like number of Christian leaders. And one of the things I've brought up a number of times, and there has been complete agreement in in what I've said here. And I think that this is so interesting because even just our conversations have really been, you know, speaking to me with regards to this. And that is there once was a time not that long ago in which we used to talk about North America as being this place that was that was more about kind of atheism and in the demonic realm kind of hanging out in the shadows where that that was Satan's kind of like deception was that he doesn't exist. but. One of the things I I have noticed, and again, as I've talked with different leaders, there's been a complete agreement on is that that isn't the case anymore, that we have moved very much away from that into a very more of a spiritual climate in which Satan and the demonic forces aren't in the shadows anymore. And they're quite okay with being out, out, out of the shadows, if you will. And one of the things, though, that I think is interesting is... Some people, though, are still not very attuned to this, and they they forget that with what's going on in our culture, that there are spiritual forces at, at play, and that very much speaks to your testimony that I want to I want to dive into now, because the 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 spiritual realm was was a significant thing that that you encountered, and I have seen since you know talking with you, other people in the, that have come out of the LGBTQ community, they've had a similar experience. So take us, take us back. Tell me about your encounters with demonic forces and then ultimately uh, how you would come to Christ. Let's, let's go down that path. All right. So, um, 
I've done, I've done like lots of paranormal research of, over the course of my life, uh, probably since I was around 11 or 12. Um, I've never done Wiccan stuff or anything to do with any kind of witchcraft because I was aware that that kind of stuff was pretty much dark stuff, right? Can I ask a quick question on that real quick? For sure. Because from what I've heard, I'm, I'm, fair, I'm pretty ignorant to this, but it seems like there's a fairly big movement within the LGBT community of like Wicca within there um i've now back in the 80s i did not know one lesbian who did wicca or anyone who practiced any um you have to understand that most of these um you know t- between 20 to 30 year old uh gay people from the 80s they probably came from very traditional backgrounds with mothers and fathers or you know what i mean like father was mm-hmm. in the military mother was a stay-at-home wife whatever right so they came from they probably had like pretty generic like nuclear family-ish childhoods, I would say, um, at least from all the people that we knew growing up, right? Like no one had any sort of outrageous kind of family environment, unless there was specifically like abuse, which is common in lots of families, right? But not, not a lot of people did that. Like my mom wouldn't have any anything to do with anyone who practiced any sort of black magic. So um, I do fi- find that when people start doing a certain type of thing, a lot of the times they're watching a certain type of thing that's helping promote this. So movies like the craft or, you know what I mean? Like where people like, you know, teens like it. So they're going to start practicing witchcraft because, but back in the day, you know, when you saw any kind of demonic, anything, it was usually a horror movie, but what now in like the two, you know, the nineties and two thousands, they kind of implemented demonic stuff in movies to make it seem like they're okay they're okay right so you wouldn't take your 12 year old daughter to see the exorcist but even though the whole movie was demonic right but your 12 year old daughter would watch the craft right which is a bunch of girls being witches right so i think that the the implementation of just what we see through media has opened a lot of doors you know i mean long in the days of like back in the 70s and 80s where christian parents were like don't watch he-man because it's satanic <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like, like that was such a thing back then right and um we're way past that now yeah we're completely way past that i don't believe he-man paved the way to the movies we have nowadays <laughs> you know and i think i was telling you actually on at church that sunday that disney's just come out with their new cartoon called little demon that i saw a I saw a preview for and it was just horrendous. But I think you're making a really important point that ultimately what, what we're saying is, yeah, demonic stuff is has been being promoted. It's been promoted for quite some time in our movies, our TV shows, culture in general. Probably shouldn't surprise us a whole lot that there is a deep spiritual undercurrent going on right now. And we've got kind of this movement away from scientific naturalism and more over to supernaturalism. And I have my question would be for all of the stuff that we're seeing now pouring into cartoons and like more so, I find it interesting that people are like, it wasn't that long ago where like, don't put guns in cartoons. That was like mid, like early 2000s, right? But then now it's like we're putting like all sorts of satanic symbols and things like that in cartoons. And I always just wonder the people behind. Like my question for them is like, why are you making content like this? If this is a kid's show, what is the point of doing this, right? Well, and I mean, we're even seeing that too, not to go on too far of a tangent here, but I mean, the examples are just abundant. I mean, we can even see that in Marvel right now. I mean, if you look at Doctor Strange and where the last movie went with him, you know, getting a third eye. And if if you see, there was, there was like, Every demonic theme you can imagine was in that movie. I was shocked. Yeah, yeah. I was shocked too because a lot of the trailers don't have any of that stuff going on. I talked to so many parents that were completely caught off guard going, what did I just watch? Because I I did not, the, the trailer didn't like clue me in that that's what I was signing up for. Yep. Same with uh, the new, the Thor Love and Thunder one. I had watched that and I was like, oh, okay. So we've got... the." little town of as asgard and then shadow be- demons going into the bedrooms of children to basically kidnap them and i was like it seems like a lame plot at the same time and i know that movie was just mid but it's kind of like this is where they went 
And then the previous one, because I had watched them back to back because I had renewed my Disney Plus for Star Wars, of course. And um, <laughs> and I'll shut it down after I'm done Andor. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I was like, what? Like both movies, they have child sacrifice and shadow, shadow demons going after children. And it's like, this is like living stuff for most kids. Like a lot of kids, a lot of people deal with it and they've still dealing with it. And maybe we should get back on that track of, of, of yeah, how did you deal with it? Now, my dad said that I had the gift of clairvoyance, right? And didn't know what that meant as a kid, right? But I kind of saw things. It's almost like I saw things or I'd prophesy things before they happen. And my dad couldn't explain like how I was able to do that, right? And um, I'm not saying every child is like this, but I did stuff like this. And it's stuff both my parents noticed, even though they were divorced, they noticed, but it's not like they spoke about it. So my encounters were through dreams and I saw stuff visually in the actual ethereal world, I guess you'd say, right? Um, there's people who were, who became saved by Jesus, but they were new age people before they did right. this stuff. They did, you know, de- whatever, from dowsing or whatever, um, what is it? Pendulum stuff, like whatever, whatever Divining. New, any kind of divination, um, they had these abilities and they thought that they were just innate with them. And then they had to actually ask for repentance and God removing those things from their lives. So it was interesting, not just, uh, meeting gay people who have come to Christ, but also hearing testimonies of new age people being redeemed and taking those abilities away. Right. And that's such a, an important point. Cause I remember we did a, an interview not too long ago with a, with a lady who came out of, uh, a new age spirituality cult. And she was like, man, I saw some crazy stuff, but you have to understand, like, that was real stuff, like, going on. You know, so people who aren't, who haven't experienced that, it can be difficult to appreciate what, what's going on and what people have encountered. But yeah, go ahead. Keep, keep going. I have very good conversations with new age people because um, we can talk about the spiritual realm freely. That's absolutely freely, right? Where most Christians have didn't like told me, I don't want to talk about this. And, um, I don't believe in that stuff. I've even heard that kind of stuff. And, um, it's kind of like, well, why, like we shouldn't fear this kind of stuff. Right. And how are you able to help the person who is dealing with that kind of stuff at the same time? I think a lot of Christians are used to hearing these kind of stories coming out of places like Africa and whatnot. Again, they're, they're used to the spiritual realm hanging out in the shadows. So it's, I think it's hard for a lot of Christians to grapple with this is no longer some stories missionaries are telling you. This is stuff that's happening in your own neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. But as a child, I was always visiting dreams. And as a child, I wasn't scared of the darkness and I wasn't scared of these things. And they didn't come in anything kind of a horrible kind of shape or form. They always were about my size and all black usually. But for some reason, I just didn't have an actual fear of um, things that look like that. I was a child that loved dark crystal and um, any type of Jim Henson puppetry, dragons, monsters. So I was one of those kids who was actually attracted to that kind of stuff, right? We grew up in the same era, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I, I, those are all the movies I saw, yeah. But I didn't have an explanation for these things. I didn't know what they were. And my father tried to take me to church as a kid, but it wasn't very good. And I am, a, I am mixed race as well. So I was kind of like not treated very well um, based on my father dropping, him off, dropping me off at Sunday school kind of thing. So I knew about Jesus and that he loved everyone, but I didn't understand like the gay part and, and like, cause my dad was, you know, it was a Christian that didn't do it in the right way. It's just like, you know, your mom's going to go to hell because she's a lesbian and all that kind of stuff. And I'm looking at him, like my mother treats me better than you treat me, <laughs> you know, like what, like it's her, I know her character was, was better than my father. So it didn't make sense to me. How old were you when your parents separated? I don't have a memory of them together. So I would have oh. been like around two years old. So my mom's been a lesbian probably since I was like three or four. And how many partners did she have? Or did you, or was it just one other mom in your life? Um, her partner, uh, love her to death. Uh, I still talk to her this till this day. That's a long time ago. Um, she, my mom's had a few like long-term partners kind of thing. Right. And, um, and I've never had a problem with any of them. Like, one of them was I didn't like so much, but then it was interesting. She ended up finding me on Facebook through my mom and she ended up writing me a big apology of 
she wishes she could have, she realized she could have been a better person to me. And that was, I, you know, I really appreciated that because I didn't hate her, but it was always, she was very, uh, a very selfish person. And, um, and as a child, I felt that big time, you know what I mean? But when it came to back to the demonic stuff, uh, I met my husband and, uh, or a soon to be husband. And he basically had the same type of encounters, but his were scary. <laughs> and so I finally met someone like I've, you know, I've all my whole life, I didn't have anybody to talk to about that kind of stuff. I would just tell my mother, like, there's a bad, like there's something evil inside this person or that guy in the grocery store. My mom's like, don't, you can't like, can't growl at people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I'd be just like, because that's because I saw fangs. I saw a demonic face change like that. Right. So my only reaction was to like bear my teeth back at like seven years old. Right. Because that's all I got going for me. And so, which is barely anything for a seven year old, <laughs> but speaking to my husband and him opening up to about his encounters and him talking about the power of Christ to actually repel these things that's what was, that's what hit home for me. And when I really wanted, I really wanted to learn about Jesus after that, not necessarily because I felt I was still plagued by these things, but, um, it kind of waned as I became like a teenager and 18, 18 years old. Right. But these things do come back in your life. Like you can see them when you're a child, they can wand for a bit and they can come in different forms from, you know, being addicted to drugs and sleeping around and wrong crowd and the enemy using the perfect, the perfect person in your life um, that you've always like, like a person of yourself, like you see in yourself, you want to be like an idol in a human form. Enemy comes lots in that, in that form, whether it's through a boyfriend or a girlfriend or an actually really good friend. Right. And a lot of people get really screwed over. And what's scary, I think the scariest thing I've learned about this this year in the last few years, I say is the enemy does specifically target people and puts people in your path to corrupt you. And it's weird because it seems really like, gosh, he's going a lot of work. I just want to go to college and meet a nice girl or a nice guy, you know what I mean? And live my life. Right. But especially if you're a Christian, the enemy will just come and use something. That's a window. It's that small window. Right. I think one of the things that can be really challenging with regards to that is that the enemy can actually use a friend, uh, you know, cause I think about Jesus even, and you see Satan using Peter as an example. And Jesus gives Peter one of the strongest, probably the strongest rebuke he gives anybody, where he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. And I mean, that, that, that's, in some ways it couldn't, it shouldn't surprise us, but in other ways, it's really difficult to deal with. Those can be some of the most hurtful wounds, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't equate Peter as like a, a bad boyfriend scenario, <laughs> no. right? But, but the fact that he was the most you know, one of the most beloved and he was always, he was with Christ and, uh, he still failed. Right. So it's, it's walking with God and watching what we say and having our words guided by the Lord. Right. Yeah. And, um, if I think people, Christians just forget the fact that any of these things can happen to us at any time. And we have to be, you know, the watcher on the tower, uh, as husbands for their families, you know what I mean? Mothers in their own ways as well. And, um, yeah. And when you, I know when you pray for that intuition, uh, when it comes to the demonic realm, God will give, give you that intuition, right? Sometimes it could take years to get it, but if you are wanting help in that area, like you just have to ask and God will help you. And it's interesting because you'll just, I was one of those very happy go lucky people where I'm friends with everyone and that can get you into trouble. You know what I mean? Because I don't get hurt from others as easily. Like I, it takes a lot to make me angry. It takes a lot to get me hurt um, because I do brush. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I'm not, not emotional, but meaning like I can handle a lot. And um, I feel that uh, Christians just need to almost like just 
don't know, it just comes down to just seeking God more and what he wants in their life on a daily basis. Like it's so simple too, right? And uh, we get distracted by the world, our lives and stuff like that. But well, it's funny. Somebody asked me a question. I was speaking, I was speaking uh, just this weekend to a bunch of uh, youth workers and I was talking on the subject of identity and somebody's asking, Hey, you know, what are the signs, you know, that, you know, that maybe you're experiencing an identity crisis or something like that. And I'm like, I think that we're all constantly experiencing many crises. Uh, the the question is just whether or not you're taking that captive and bringing it to the Lord or you're letting it exasperate. Like, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yep. I know what you're saying. And the other side to that is I talked to someone um, not too long ago about coinciding with the demonic realm, I guess, that if you were a child and you get abused sexually, right? That lets in stuff, right? From the person who's doing the abusing, right? And so from that point on, and this happens lots to children. It's like, I don't know, one in every, how many out of every 10 children, someone gets harmed at some point, right? And that can lead into its own confusion. I've, it's like so many, because when it came to the gender identity stuff, that's permeated the last five years there was a part of it i wasn't kind of buying it because i know that just sexual abuse alone can have can help with same-sex attraction right depending on how you were abused right i spent 20 years pastoring but a large chunk of that was was as a youth pastor and uh, and that was one of the hardest things for me is walking with kids through abuse but then you see patterns of what abuse does in, in people's lives hundred uh, percent. It's not always the case, but there's definitely patterns. It's definitely patterns. And it's, I mean, it's all, I mean, it's all sin for one thing, right? But we just know that the enemy just wants us not with a sound mind, not at peace. The enemy wants people, children, everyone violated at some abuse in some shape or form. Right. And with those, we can get spiritual attachments from people, um, from environments, right? Uh, environments that are not uh, where people are praying over the house or praying in the house and keeping things at bay, right? So when people have I, an identity crisis, whether it's not even LGBTQ, just you can have an you cannot be gay and have an identity crisis, you know, <laughs> and so, yeah. and so it's finding your identity in Christ. And that's what brings the peace. On that note, when you became a Christian, did you experience peace? Like what happened in your life when you, like how'd that, and how'd that take place? I experienced, I was really, really happy. Um, I I started a home group. I I was going to North Shore Alliance Church at the time. I was invited by a Christian friend in Vancouver. And um, I was really, really eager to learn about Christ, but I had a huge stumbling block um, with understanding what it is. So a lot of barriers people have and Christians need to understand that when you're coming from an unbeliever to a believer, there's stuff that you literally just don't know. It's like completely foreign, right? I at least had, I at least had the spiritual aspects that I was aware of, but a lot of people don't have the spiritual aspects. (laughs) That's the irony, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, they're just kind of like this this person who's like, I have no concept of every, anything, right? Salvation, redemption, like they don't even know. They just been walking this earth, right? And um, I remember when the pastor said, like, if anyone needs prayer, come to the front. And it was not long after I met my husband that this happened to me. And I remember just breaking down at the front of the church and crying and not even knowing why I was crying. I just felt like, there's something I'm not getting. There's something that I'm not getting. And so uh, from there, I joined a home group. And since I'm like, I almost needed a visual reference. And there's this book called, you probably have heard of A Stranger on the Road to Emmaus. Emmaus, yeah. Emmaus, Emmaus, yeah. And there was a diagram of that, two cliffs, and then the cross bridging the gap between the cliffs, right? And you, yeah. God's over here and you're over here, right? And I saw the, it was like the biggest epiphany. I was like, that's what he did for us. Like, this is what he's <laughs> done. <laughs> like, I couldn't go to the other side without Jesus. Like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> you Nicole, know what I mean? <laughs> that's so hilarious because so many Christians see that diagram and we're just like, oh, this is so pathetic. Like how, like that doesn't speak to anybody. And here you are, you're like, 
Finally, finally, I get it. <laughs> Can't. I can't have that oneness with God without Jesus, right? And everyone has to, and the beauty of it is everyone has their own path. And like Christians need to encourage people who they know that when they, um, whether they're LGBTQ or unbelievers or whatever, like the joy of knowing that you too can actually talk with God and you can, you know what I mean? And don't, don't worry about anything now. Just the more you talk with God, the more he's going to start changing and ask him to change and see what happens. He's going to change you. It's going to be slow. You got to have patience and you're going to go through this and that, and it's going to be windy and right. But he will make that path straight. Cause you're the one who's making the path like all over the map. Right. And when you get to a point where like, you know what, my life is garbage and I feel like I can't even like properly brush my teeth anymore. And you've hit rock bottom as a person. That's when you get on your knees and you, it's like, and the key is surrendering. People don't know how to surrender. Christians don't know how to surrender and surrendering is such that's, that's, that's it. You, you, cause God knows he's not going to be like, well, you haven't surrendered yet. Like, what am I, you know what I mean? Like, he's not stupid and we can't fool and trick God and living a certain way and, 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 and try to get away with it. And then you're wondering why your life is like still the same. Right. So mm-hmm. I mean, I'm guilty of that too. Right. But that's the beautiful part about God is that he is merciful and he has utmost grace. Thank you, by the way. I love, I love hearing how you just, you know, explain that just so simply that's such a, a profound point, you know, just in, in encouraging people to come. Cause oftentimes a lot of people feel like they got to get different things together or whatever, No, but this is what surrender looks like. Surrender is like when you finally are like, I can't do anything, but just come to you and say, you know, help. Now I want to ask you though, when you, when you came to Christ and now you're following after him, I want to know what God's doing in your life as you now think about the LGBT community, you know, that, that you grew up in. And you have a real heart for, for, the, for that community. Uh, you have many friends that are in that community. Uh, I think that that's not true of most Christians. A lot of Christians don't have people. They know people in the community, but they don't necessarily have friends in the community. How do you how do, you do that? How do you walk that? Um, that relational divide? Um, I don't have fear um, of people, right? That's a big one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a big one. I don't, uh, these people aren't going to harm you. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like I have to go hang out with a criminal. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like they're treated as if like, they might do something uh, inappropriate towards them. And it's like, no, no, no. Like they're just people like going to work and buying groceries, like everybody else. Right. And I, the thing is, I love people. Like I absolutely, I don't know, like I've been hurt like lots, but like, I don't know. I just love people a lot. And, and, you know, I can't feel, you know, everyone's cup. I'm not necessarily, I'm a yes type person. Right. But I know that so many are hurting and wanting people to know that Jesus is the answer. So I just love the people I've met in this community um, and people I've known for years as well. Right. And cause people have asked me like, how do you do that with your mom began? I'm like, how do I do what? Like, what am I, what do you think I'm supposed to do? Like, do what they've done in the past and like never talking to my mom again. Cause she's a lesbian. Like, no, I, she's my mother. I love her. I love her partner. And it's like, and that's what people don't understand is that only God can actually convert and change someone's heart. Like we have to be the light in the example. I had an argument with my half sister lives in the States and she was talking about gays and, and I was just like, you know what I mean? And I just like, well, you know, you're kind of being a hypocrite by saying this and you can kind of like chill with this whole factor. I'm sure most gays are aware of, they know their lifestyle is a sin. You don't need to keep cramming it in their faces. And she's like, well, no, it's good to get people riled up. And I'm like, no, it's not like, it's not, we're not supposed to rile people up. Right. I think that's also that combative nature of it, where we actually miss the point. Because you could imagine some people could think, oh, mm-hmm. you know, they need to be not gay. And it's like, no, 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 no. They need Jesus. Like, it, like, because that's where I think people can really miss the mark where it's like, fundamentally, what they need is they need Jesus. I mean, somebody could become not gay and still don't have Jesus. The 
that the Jesus part is is the point here. But that, but that's one of the things I think can that can happen though if you buy into the combative nature of it, where then you you actually start to lose sight of of what this is all about. I don't know. Would you agree with that? I think it's because well, I kind of figured it out like years ago. I think it's because. Um, living that lifestyle, it's very open, it's open, right? So you can have your neighbor who is a Christian and secretly addicted to porn or like molesting his kids and you never know. And you're like, oh, they're a good Christian family, right? But the gay neighbor is like, well, we know they're directly living in sin. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? So it's kind of like, it's easy to be like, oh, you know, and point and whatever, and just be judgmental, right? And it's just like, where we have to look within ourselves and and that's the thing about we have to know that we're not worthy and to under to really understand you know and so that's why that's what makes it easy to not judge that's what it makes it easy for me to not i can judge scenarios that are like like directly evil when they're you know parts of this community are going after children. Like, it's like, okay, come on. You know what I mean? Right. But I can, if people are just minding their own business, living their life um, at you, it's asking God to love, to give you that love. Right. And a lot of people don't think about that, the, you know, first Corinthians 13, right. Um, mm -hmm. About whether it's your children, your husband, or, you know, the aunt that you don't like, it's like, God, give me the love I need to love on these people. Are we asking ourselves that? Are we, are we, are we asking God to put us in these situations so we can, I mean, we, from our coworkers to family members or whatever, right? It's difficult to do. You know, a, a motto that I keep saying to myself, I don't know how this strikes you, but uh, hold tightly to truth and freely love people is, it seems to be the challenge. Truth will never be defeated. It will never be defeated. So we have to rest in that, that, yeah. you know, I can pass from this earth, but God's truth is still sound. But as yeah. you know, I did my best to love people who didn't feel loved or, or felt rejected or whatever. Right. And that is the light we, we show. Isn't that the hard part too? Like the, with the combativeness going back to that just quickly here that, that oftentimes people are combative because they actually are hurt. And so our initial response tends to be to want to want to fight instead of and this is the, this is where the real spiritual battle gets in where you're like no 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 this this is a person who needs desperately to be loved and cared for and uh god wants me to love them not not fight them sort of idea right that do you know what i'm saying because i think it can be easier to be combative it's much more difficult to to love especially when you feel like you're being picked on, especially when you feel like your culture is against you and your back's against the wall. Yeah. And usually most of the time that the person is that the person themselves is already feeling like that. It's hard to love other people when you don't feel loved yourself. And if your faith and your walk with the Lord is very, very weak and janky and you don't converse with the Lord and you don't get your cup filled, right? It's harder to love other people. And it's easier to just to sink in despair or depression or bitterness or apathy towards towards people and things, right? So a lot of the time it's looking in, I feel it's people aren't looking inwards of themselves. And so if you're not self-analyzing and having God go to those dark places of your heart to fix, it is harder, harder to love other people. It definitely is. So how do you walk that line with your friends holding truth and loving? How do I walk that line? with LGBTQ. Yeah, I love them for who they are. I see the 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 ones that I know and that I care about. Uh, I see it's it's like people are wanting respect without showing honor and good character. It's like mm -hmm. I need your respect regardless and it's like I don't have to respect you, right? But the people I do love and respect, I can respect person as a, a, a human being, of course. Right. But in terms of like, I'm not going to bow at your feet and give you all that you need in the ways that are inappropriate or whatever. Right. And so I find that, uh, finding common interests with these people, right. Um, finding, um, finding one-on-one -on -one time, you know what I mean? And, uh, I don't necessarily reveal that I'm a Christian, like right away to people, like it's kind of at the same time, really no one's business at the same time. Right. And so, but when I, it's uh, the key, I guess, is 
creating a bond with people, right? A lot of people just, you know, that gay aunt of mine and maybe God will prepare, you know, for me to talk to her about her being gay. And it's like, why don't you actually develop a relationship with her and not worry about the gay part? <laughs> you know, like that's where I find where people want to go. They want to be able to like, we got to make sure we, we preach to them truth. And it's like, yeah, but no one likes, like, no one would like coming up to you and being like, you know, hanging out with you for weeks on end only to tell you like, well, yeah, your blah, blah, blah is, is really, really bugging me and it's wrong. Right. So it's like, that's not how we want to talk to our children. We want to talk to our friends and stuff like that. that's not how we want to be talked to. Right. So I hope that helps. It, it, well, it does. Cause this is something that I've, I've taught on as well. And that is that we've been called to genuinely love people. So that means, you know, that we're genuinely caring about people, right? Like, is there's not some sort of agenda behind what we're doing. I'm loving God. God is teaching me how to love other people. I am seeking to love them wherever they're at. And my, my desire is, is that they would come to know Jesus because I believe that that's how they will experience the greatest flourishing in life. That's, that's how they will experience, um, truth and, and life and, um, enjoy is, uh, you know, and when we talk about Jesus being the way, the truth and the life, like, uh, I believe that, but I think, I think sometimes we get it, we get it backwards though. This is where people, this is where Christians can do some weird stuff. Uh, when, especially when we think about evangelism where people then now they get reduced to some sort of project and people are not a project. People are, are human beings that God deeply loves and it's called us to love and to care for. And, and that starts to reframe the whole conversation, I think, in a much more healthy direction. That's that's sums it up quite well. Yeah. It's uh it's getting past that fear of like, why are we scared and what are we scared of? And what do they think is gonna happen? And um I think that's where it gives you such an interesting insight is because you've grown up in that community. It does it doesn't scare you. Cause I know as we've talked, you you doesn't bother you to be a part of some or, or to walk around in some pride parade or whatever it might be like those don't they don't intimidate you and i don't think that they would intimidate jesus either no they're just people <laughs> and that's yeah. as simple as that i know that um i was gonna say it was uh my friend samuel i want to mention him samuel perez he's got his uh online ministry and I did struggle for years um, on the concept of some aspect about being gay, about not being fair. And that would be one thing I did struggle with. Um, it's kind of like I had an idea of like Christ and everything, but I always had a heart. I'm like, but what about the gay people? <laughs> and, um, you know, because it's just breaks my heart at the same time. And then, I came across Samuel Perez's testimony and it was online, I think about four or five years ago. And it just broke me. And I hadn't, I hadn't met anyone who was gay, who came to Christ. Now on a side note, I did suspect a friend of mine, a friend who was helping move and they were packing the kitchen and I was upstairs and listen to this one. I'm like, this woman seems like a lesbian. I don't know. Like, I guess she went to my friend's church, but I'm like, whatever. I just got real lesbian vibes from this person. Right. And sure enough, right. A month later, I saw my friend again and helping her with other stuff. And she's like, Oh, remember my friend who was that helped us move. And I said, yeah, she said, I wanted to tell you about her testimony. She used to be a lesbian. And I'm like, Oh, I knew it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But God called her, you know, and she told God, she was honest. She said, you know, God, I, I love Christ. I want to follow him, but I like women and I need you to do something about that, you know, and God did. Right. So many people aren't honest with themselves. They'll be like, do you really want that gone? doesn't matter if it's being gay. It could be any kind of sin. Do you really want to let go of that? You really want to be cleansed of that or, or whatever. We all go through stuff. We all have stuff that we're dealing with because it's not like we're somehow like, you know, pristine or above sin or something like that. It's, not not realistic. I think one of the things that sometimes makes this a difficult thing to talk about with gay people and with the transgender community is that 
sexuality and gender have become synonymous with being human. And like this is how this is how they're defining in many ways their humanity. And so I think sometimes that that does make it a a, a difficult subject, but I think it, we need to help to reshape the the diet the, the discussion because the Christian worldview obviously is does not do that, does not define your humanity um, according to you know your your sexuality, gender, or however you identify. the The Christian worldview is, is that you are fundamentally defined by being a creation of God, made in God's image and likeness. And fundamentally, I, I would even say be, before all of that is that you were loved, God, and it's because you were loved that God created you. It's because you were loved that God made you in His image and likeness. And God's desire is that you would have a relationship with Him. And from the Christian worldview, again, getting back to what we're for, right? From the Christian worldview, that's what defines you fundamentally. That's what it means to be human, and that starts to reshape the whole di- the whole conversation. I think. Well, and so as for Samuel, um, he talked about in the car and he just gave his testimony and I was just completely floored by this. It was absolutely astounding. And I reached out to him and we had, we did a podcast together and, um, we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. He was a gay, he was a gay stripper. He was a gay stripper. Yeah. And he came, God basically called called to him and it's just the most beautiful testimony as well as like and i've heard many after this like he's had he has numerous people who are um are are they used to be gay and they're not anymore and they're following christ in their life but he exposes a lot of stuff and he exposes the fact that you know he's still almost kind of not welcome at places like to hear his testimony and i'm just like oh my gosh like why like it's like we don't hear about this stuff, right? Like, and this is the stuff I've been waiting for, you know? And, um, but yeah, anyone who's interested in finding, if finding more about this stuff, Samuel Perez's podcast on, on YouTube, um, amazing content on this topic. And if you're a person who is uh, same sex attractive and is struggling and, or wants to come to Christ or just a- anything of that realm, I just totally direct you to Samuel Perez and um, it's just beautiful. But um, the aspect of it not being fair coming back to that is what, you know, I tried to mentally the mental gymnastics. Oh my gosh, Andy, (laughs) of just trying to kind of figure that out and, and how is this possible and what can be done. And then it was Beckett cook who has his, um, ministry online and man what he said it was like a huge slap in the face um because he said the same thing um i could continue living my lifestyle this way but or i can get to know or i can get to know god and and he basically chose to get to know god for the rest of his life and i think i that broke me and cried you know so everything just all the stuff just paled in comparison and to knowing that Beckett cook, like he just wants to be loved and know the Lord and love according to that love. And that was more important than any, anything on earth. We'll, we'll put Beckett's uh, uh, podcast in the show notes as well. It, you're right. It's a great, great ministry and important testimony. And I think this is a, this is a good place for us to, to come to a, uh, coming for a landing here. These are some great resources you're directing people to, but I think it's also directing them to realize this is a part of a bigger conversation about uh, you know a God that loves people and and people fundamentally needing Jesus that that relationship could be restored into experience you know what what they were created you know experience the kind of life that they that they were that we were all created for. Mm-hmm. Oh, just not just the uh, the lifestyle of these people, but just other. I mean, people put their testimonies freely online and it's beautiful. And it's not like if these are hard to find, you know, as much as the enemy is doing this, God's still doing this, you know? <laughs> You're right though. Cause I've, I've watched a number of different, you know, testimonies lately and it's, it's all comes back to the same thing. What are you going to build your life on? What, what, how are you going to define yourself? Uh, are you going to go into the it seems to be the 21st century, you know, individualism where I'm going to define me. 
or, or are you going to find your identity um, not in something you make, but the identity you were made in and, uh, and rest in that? When everything that happened at Praxis and the protests, and uh, I had told my mom about it, and she said something about like, well, with a statement like that, like I couldn't really, um, I couldn't feel like I can go there comfortably with my partner, right? And then a part of that, I want to tell people, anybody, it's to anybody, coming to Christ isn't easy. And this is what I said to my mom. And and it's not about like, this isn't a Buddhist statue that you're worshiping or some sort of, you know, way of life, lifestyle, like, you know, 10 rules to life or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's almost like, I guess that part of me that I didn't get upset with her, but I was kind of like, this stuff I've had to stop. I've had to leave. I had to turn aside. I've had to not do any more from my character, from my sexuality, from my whatever that I've had to ask God to remove, cleanse, heal, or whatever. Right. And so for people to think that they can just continue living in their lifestyles, and that's Christians alone. And just walk in there and just be like, I can do this too. And not have to do one thing different in your life. That's where I'm, that's where I get chapped. Right. So it's like, I'm going to continue living in sin and doing this. And it's just like, if you really, really speaking the Lord and you're really now things happen in time. So you, we do have, you just have to be patient. Right. But we can't fool ourselves and we can't fool God and thinking that we can continually live in however we want and like, and claiming Christ at the same time. So I did tell my mom that if you ever come to Christ, it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever gone through. And I'm telling that just for my own testimony. And I'm not, I'm not even gay. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, just for my own, whatever I was born with, whatever, whatever is with me, that's individual to me. I needed the Lord's help to, uh, well, salvation of my sins and all that kind of stuff, right? Most important part, right? But we don't just stop sinning as soon as we come to Christ, but all the stuff it's almost like I have a question. I always ask people, I said, the person, you, if I can phrase it right, the person you are, I'll say to you, Andy, the person you are that you are becoming, let's meet the person that you need to become through what God is going to create out of it. It's almost like we come to a certain point in our lives, we ask God to change, and then there's a curiosity. I want people to be curious about what is that person going to now turn into that God puts his Holy Spirit in until you, the, you know, the, your final, your the trumpet sounds and your final day, right? So that's what Beckett Cook is coming up. That's what he's talking about. It's like, we all walk in this world, but then it's like, hey, you know what? I want to get to know who is this person that God claims? Who is this new man? Who is this new woman that God claims he will change us into? And that's what gets me excited. That's what gets me excited for people. It's not about not being gay anymore, not being watching porn and not, you know what I mean? It's about like, yeah. what is this transformation? Because that vessel, that vessel is important. Whatever God does with that vessel is going to be important to humanity. That's another change again in perspective from what we're against to what we're for. And we need to keep our sights on what we're for, where we're heading. I completely agree. By the way, that's one of the important parts of, for me coming to faith was me going, God, I know the kind of Andy that I'll become without you. And I don't want that. I don't want that. I, I, I want the, I, I want something different. I've, one of the ways I put it is just, I've tasted enough brokenness in my life. I, I want to know, I want to know, I want to see the non-brokenness. I want to see the good. Show me that. And so Really, for me, putting my trust in in the Lord and, and beginning to follow and live life with with Jesus was in very much in, along that that line. God, what will please do a work in me? Glory uh, to God, that's awesome. Right, and and I want to see the kind of Andy that that you can do. Uh, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on the on the podcast. This is one of those. This is one of those podcasts, one of those interviews where I just don't want to stop talking, and I <laughs> and I just want to keep going because there's so much more we could say. Nicole. Oh, I know. 
uh, I must feel bad for people. They just, you know, they're listening going, but you guys just started. I know. Listen, we'll have to have Nicole back on the show and and we'll talk more about this because I've got lots more questions that we could have talked about and I'm sure other people do as well. Uh, you know, hey, listen, listeners, feel free to feel free to reach out to us at info@apologeticscanada.com. If you would, if you want us to follow up with Nicole with some questions, feel free to shoot them to us. I'm I'm sure she'd be fine with that. Again, Beckett Cook is a great great resource. Samuel Perez is also a great resource. I'm hoping to have uh, Samuel actually on the podcast in the future. Awesome, he'd love so, that. Yeah, so so check that out. And in fact, we'll we'll link Nicole's interview with Samuel. It's an excellent interview. I've I've watched it and uh was was really ministered to through it. Thank you, Nicole, for being on the show. Uh really appreciate you and just your willingness to be open on this important issue and just I think being a real model of what it looks like to love people and not get caught up in the fear. So thank you. God bless you, Andy. Thank you. It was awesome. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning into this week's podcast. If this is your first time listening, the AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada. So you can find out more information about us at ApologeticsCanada.com. If there's something about this episode that you enjoyed or you had some questions maybe for Nicole or even Andy, feel free to reach out to us at info at ApologeticsCanada.com. Make sure you like and subscribe on all of your favorite streaming platforms and interact with us on social media. We love to hear from you. We see your DMs, we see your reposts, and we appreciate it. But until next time, you know the drill. Love God, love people. Bye for now.